Welcome to uh, Robots Into Guys, uh, a queer reading of the Transformers series from Generation 1 all the way to Generation Now. Uh, with me, as always, is Jordan Ogihara. Hi, I'm an auto slot. I'm Jordan. <laughs> also with us, as always, is Genevieve Vines. Your favorite sissy-ass bald-head broad. And I am David Thorpe. I didn't do a jokey joke, <laughs> and I realized that's just stealing your jokey joke from last time, That which was that you didn't have a jokey joke. Was that mine? That was yours last time. Oh, uh, well, mine didn't relate to robots this time, so... Jordan was the only one who was prepared with a joke for the <laughs> opening. <laughs> um, hold on. Can we think of something in the next 30 seconds that's a good... Oh, can I think of anything in the next 30 seconds? No. Okay. Maybe, maybe something about Witwicky? Witwicky's a funny name. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Shia LaBeouf Witwicky. <laughs> there you go. What's Shia LaBeouf's character's name, actually? Sam. I forgot. Samuel Witwicky. Sam? Yeah. Why didn't they just keep it Spike? Right? I just labeled Spike as Shia in my notes some places. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, alright, uh, let's jump right into it. Well, because the, because the Michael Bay Transformers doesn't take place in the 80s, uh, it takes place in, like, very specifically, like, 2007 or something. So, so Sam is, like, Spike's descendant? Right. <gasps> oh my god. No wonder they look so much alike. They're boys. <laughs> both boys. They're both... Thin white men. They're both mm -hmm. thin white men. They both obviously want to fuck a car. They both have chocolate brown hair. <laughs> They're both dumb as fuck. Dumb as rocks. Dumb as a rag. <laughs> oh, we're gonna have such a time when we get to the uh, movies. Anyways, that that'll be a whole thing later. <laughs> All right, so should we just jump right into it with um, Huffer and Braun is the first uh. I think the first thing in the entire episode, right, is we get Huffer trapped in the water and Braun comes, swims to save him. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, in which uh, Huffer reveals his deepest fears to Braun <laughs> in a moment of dread. Is there not enough to unpack here between Huffer and Braun? See, I didn't get anything like specifically romantic or even platonically queer between them that's fair to me, it seemed very much in line with the kind of workplace environment yeah basically a sort of a co-workerly duty to help one another out i didn't mm -hmm. see anything particularly charged there no that's fair i there's a lot of interactions that go on that um are not that are in this episode it was a hard episode to kind of... That's what my initial reaction was, which was, like, I could have... I pointed out, like, like 20 or so, in like, things in the in the pilot that had to do with any, with any form of queer imagery or a queer dynamic. And here, I maybe got only about a dozen things. Yeah. I mean, 
My notes are a lot shorter. However, we got one big blaring thing right in the face, which is... Oh, honey, we got, like, we got two. With a tiny little bit dessert, we'll just get into, into it. Because the next thing is uh, Spike and Spike and Hound <laughs> and their yeah, first so meeting. Yeah. The, the, the most memorable screenshot from the episode <laughs> must be Hound taking Spike from behind. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I mean, let's just oh, let's just unpack all their moments together. But you know, but you know something. It's actually a visual echo of what Hound does earlier to the ground pounder underwater. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hound takes the ground pounder from from behind when they're fighting under when they're fighting underwater. Love and hate, baby. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We gotta we gotta step a moment back here because we start with his first meeting of Hound, in which Hound goes out of his way to impress Spike. Oh, it's very much like a. It definitely drives home like the chosen family stuff that we were talking about in the first mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. But it, it definitely feels like a lot of older queers like getting this younger initiate. Like into this is our world. This is our drag. This is everyone's special talent. Yeah, I like. I like where uh, he. I do like that. There's this kind of immediate connection between Spike and Hound, especially when uh, he creates a projection of another man, and Spike says, "Who's he?" And Sp- Hound responds with, "Nobody." Hologram, <laughs> which is a drag race worthy pun. And then they go on their first date on a ride through the desert. <laughs> he literally says, I'm going to take you for the ride of your life. I loved it. Definitely a lot of chemistry, a lot of spark. They might be my um, my couple of choice this episode. Mm. Now, now that is interesting because that is, that is an interracial pairing. We do have our first interracial, uh, first interracial pairing of the of the series. I feel like we're gonna get into it uh, again later. We're gonna get into it. I think that love is beautiful. I do. It's almost like a really good love story between Spike and Hound. Like he asked, like on their little date, like he's like, "Do you miss Cybertron?" And he's like, "Yeah, sometimes, but you have a very beautiful home here on Earth too." It's like actually good date banter. It's some of the best writing in Transformers so far. They're both more interested in each other than they are themselves. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely think that's the mark of a relationship, right? Is that you're giving each, is everyone's giving each other like the time to like air out themselves, and the other one's like devoting to the listening ritual. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh my God! The just the spike and. Hound moment. I mean, let's just, yeah, going on, like, because they have that first big moment where when they meet and they go on their little date, and then their second big moment in is uh, them fighting together and eventually them saving each other's lives, mm-hmm. which is just so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you catch uh, the little bit of, like, canonical innuendo that, like, almost happened? Wait, no, what? Spike says to Hound, after Hound mounted Spike from the back, (laughs) uh, 
Spike says, you saved my, and then Hound cuts him off and say, let's just say. Let's just say we're even. Right. <laughs> you almost flooded your engine. Oh, S Spike is like a bottom for that robot. I would, yeah, I would say Spike has sub energy. <laughs> um, Like he writes in his diary, the robots have feelings. <laughs> I forgot about the diary scene. I feel like there should have been like some Radiohead or something playing in the back. <laughs> I was like, this is a good sensitive boy. Just looking over a cliff at the sunset. That is the big difference between him and Shia, because Shia's character is filled with so much hate. Yeah. <laughs> that is very true. I did call him Diary Boy in one of my notes. <laughs> um... Can we talk about how his dad is named Sparkplug? I do have a note about that later, which was just, why does the dad get a Transformer name? Is this foreshadowing? To be fair, Spike is only a skip and a jump away from something like Hound. Oh my god, is his dad going to transition into a Transformer? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, That would be such a dad move. Hey, boy, I heard you like robots with feelings. Uh, I think, alright, so, if we could, can we, like, get deep, can we get deep into that framing of that, uh, like, I know we talked about it, but, like, that framing of Hound taking Spike from behind, in kind of two different frames. In two different shots, because there's one from a, like, of a distance, and then the famous close-up one. Right. I mean, there's... Well, then in the close-up, there are also two keyframes. There's one of him with his eyes closed, and one with his eyes open. And the one with his eyes open, he is, like, straight looking up into the air. Like, mm -hmm. like it is, like... It's, like, full deviant art taken from behind. <laughs> it's There's definitely echoes of that, for sure. Mm -hmm. It's just interesting that it's. Excuse me. <laughs> Are you eating? Are you? A little bit. Um. Can you, can you guys hear me eating? <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's good. No, it's good. It's good. It's a good bit. It's a very good bit. <laughs> um. Oh. Oh. I'm gonna sneeze. Hold on. Am I? <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Um. Um. There are so many. There's so many ways you could have framed a CPR scene. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. And it doesn't even. Also, need to would you do it from the back? Right. Yeah. It's this way. I is thought he was just giving him a massage. Something. That's I didn't know it was CPR. I truly thought it was a massage. <laughs> like, it's like the weirdest way you could have animated CPR. Like, saving someone's life from drowning. Mm -hmm. There's like, the fact that they went with that is just intriguing to me. Um, right. Especially between these two characters that, as already stated, it's like a straight relationship, like, well, nothing straight about it. <laughs> it's like a 
it's like a it's like a full like relationship setup, and then the and then this framing like comes uh comes at comes from the end of it. Mm-hmm. So it's just real fascinating. Everything well, because with because it has that visual rhyme with what happened underwater. It mm-hmm. sort of establishes you know an element of Hound's physicality. Something that he never actually expressed with Cliffjumper, who we all thought was um, mm-hmm. Hound's life partner. It's ride or die. Hound mm-hmm. is played by John Goodman in the movies. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> um, and I would have loved this scene to have taken place in the live-action film. Just a John Goodman transform. <laughs> I mean, but Michael Bay is just like such a like a like unapologetic homophobe that it would easily be played for laughs. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Uh anyway, so that's that's a lot on Hound and Spike. I think we move on to probably the next biggest like character with a lot of moments in this show. I think we move on to the next character with the most moments in this episode, which I don't know if you'll agree, I think has gotta be Megatron for me. This, well, we're definitely getting way more of Megatron and Starscream in this episode than we did in the first 22 minutes. Uh Uh, We're also getting a lot of, uh, we're also getting a lot of Megatron and Optimus Prime. That's kind of why I wanted to move on to Megatron is because we get Mm -hmm. two relationship moments, really, with him in this episode. Mm Um... I the thought. scene where uh, Megatron was lifting Spike and his dad out of the water on his shoulders was really cute. Oh, an optimist was? Oh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yes. David, if you ever hear me correct anyone about Transformers again, I instruct you to put a bullet through my head. <laughs> <laughs> I always get them confused. They're just so, they're just so alike. They should be together. <laughs> They're two sides of the same coin, though. Yeah, just real quick to touch on your point, it was, before we get d- delve into Megatron, it was really sweet when uh, Optimus pulled the two out of the water. <laughs> Optimus is just a sweet guy. He's really... Because my biggest introduction is really to what the modern-day interpretation of Optimus is. And... It's kind of shifted from what the original series was, which is kind of just a sweet guy who now has to fight a war. <laughs> he's a he's a dad. He's a dad who has to fight a war now. <laughs> he's a daddy. <laughs> he's a he's a really sweet drag mom. He is. <laughs> yeah, we get his like first that fight with Megatron and everything is so I think how I described it is that I described it, I think in my notes, as Optimus knows how harmful Megatron is as, like, a partner. And Megatron's still trying to flirt his way back in there. Did you... Optimus, like, drags Megatron in that fight. He calls him yesterday's model, which is such a drag queen read. (laughs) It's... Your old Megatron. Yesterday's model. (laughs) It was like interesting. It was interesting to me that Megatron is older than Optimus. Mm-hmm. It does that does. Uh, I don't know. It's just interesting to me. <laughs> right. Well, they're both in positions of dominance of their own 
factions. Mm -hmm. So in the same way, in a similar way, they wield the same power, but Mm -hmm. the way they execute their plans and exhibit their power is is they're the antithesis of each other. Mm -hmm. And in that way, you can see how at the beginning they may have made a good couple because they are such opposites and Mm -hmm. because um, Optimus and Pairing can balance out Megatron's self-preservation impulses and likewise Megatron can get Optimus to start caring about himself. Yeah. I just sent you to um, a like character model of um, Megatron and which his thighs are said that they should be seductive. Oh! <laughs> Is this like from the original like designs? Yes. Oh as far goodness. as I know. Chester sent this to me. I should be seductive, yeah, for the original like cells. Um That's fascinating. Um It's fascinating that our like main bad guy was designed with the like idea of being seductive in mind. Well, there's always a reason and the t- and it's a charisma that that comes to a dictator. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's always something. There's always some allure to a to a dictator like Megatron. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's just sexy. Yeah. No, I can see how like I can see how like in in, in the backstory how like uh, I can see how Optimus Prime would have fallen for Megatron. <laughs> And also how Starscream is currently falling for Megatron because Starscream is a bratty sub and just loves that Dom energy. I I honestly want to just touch on my point again of just like, I do love that like Optimus at this point is just like, I'm done. You, you ruin everything you touch. And then Megatron's like, that's because I love power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's, he's really trying to, like he thinks he can still get back in there if he wanted to right like he could get back into that relationship if he wanted to (laughs) and optimus is kind of done do you think optimus feels anything towards megatron anymore other than like hate where we are in the story now i think he's over megatron because right now he has he has the autobots surrounding him Mm -hmm. his homies fellow queers Mm-hmm. You know, the presence of Megatron it would only would only toxify his life. Uh-huh. Is there just a little bit of horniness in there, though? Still? Well, maybe it's just... Bit. If there is any, I think it's only nostalgia from when they were good together. That makes sense. Um, I think there's definitely physical chemistry. I think Megatron wants to think that he could have Prime back at any time because that because Megatron's all about power. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. But he's not with Prime, is he? He's with Starscream. So let's, he's with Starscream. So let's talk about that. <laughs> there. You're a fool! One of my notes is just Starscream is a bottom. Prime <laughs> <laughs> code, no nothing. <laughs> I, uh, my notes for the, um, moment where Starscream shoots that gun, um, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. is... Was it a gun or a slingshot? 
No, that's when he's in the power plant. And it's also very funny to me that... We can take a second to talk about how fucking funny it is that uh, Starscream has a slingshot. Because <laughs> uh, it's very funny. He also says, I've been saving this for you, and then he shoots the slingshot. <laughs> I don't think he even hits what he's aiming for. <laughs> he, like, hits the wall. <laughs> I think I wrote something like, Man, when they're when like uh, Megatron is getting mad at Starscream for testing the Energon to see if it works, uh, because I was like, man, we really got. I think my notes were, yeah, man, we really got to watch this real couple argument, don't we? Because <laughs> it's like a real couple argument where like Starscream's like, I wanted to test to see if it worked, and Megatron's like, yeah, but now we don't have enough, you dummy, and it's like. No one's really wrong. It's just the. <laughs> no one's really wrong. It's just the the relationship is kind of wrong. <laughs> well, I know we said that we weren't going to point out every phallus alike. I said that. I said that. <laughs> however, however, Starscream fires a crotch level cannon at a structure on top of a volcano and then make it blows up. So and he. <laughs> And I can't think of a better metaphor for sexual frustration, to be honest. <laughs> I think the top of the volcano is shaped like a ball, if I remember correctly. It's actually like a pillar, and then a ball is on top of it. There you go, baby. Oh, mm. uh, no, yeah, it's just like, watching that argument was, it was such a real argument between them. Well, it wasn't real, it's about energy. <laughs> No, I know, but, like, the concept of it was, like, him just being... What I mean by it is, like, they're surrounded by their, like, other, like, workers. And <laughs> they get into this fight about him wasting Energon, and... But he had to test it out. And then it turns into a fight about their ambition. <laughs> and it's just... <laughs> it's like when you're with, like, two friends that are a couple, and they're fighting over, like, who gets the last chicken nuggets, and then it turns into, like... How they not have they're not having the ambition to get a job that they want, <laughs> and you just kind of gotta sit there and watch it unfold. <laughs> That's what it felt a lot like to me. No, yeah, I, I I see that. You're just making a full scene in front of God and all your coworkers <laughs> on a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> there. Starscream was like, no, we're doing this now. <laughs> you didn't test it. <laughs> and it's such a small thing that turns into like, it did, it did, it turned into like questioning each other's ambition in their job careers. In their job careers. In their job careers. That's just a Davidism, like female actress. <laughs> <laughs> what was it yesterday that I called the Sex Box TV show? What? <laughs> I was talking about that Sex Box TV show where they make people have sex in, on stage inside. Oh, of... the one Jamal was talking about? No, I was talking about. <laughs> and then I called the box not see. No, I called it not see throughable. <laughs> <laughs> And Ian was like opaque. 
So when David was like, he has reverse Benjamin Button. Oh wait, that's just aging. <laughs> Did I say that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> As we said earlier, this was kind the of the podcast just evolves to us roasting David for an hour. Just this like is podcast has always been. <laughs> it starts out as his concept, but now it's become a way for us to dunk upon <laughs> David from a distance. I hey, never had... remember that time you were cutting your toenails in front of everybody? <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, but my friends are out here. <laughs> I still stand by the toenail thing. talk about Megatron yelling this is the last load, get ready to pull out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes! It was so good. I wrote Wait, it in oh. all caps. I love it because he wants to take as much as he can. Megatron isn't a power bottom, is he? No, he's, he's a top. Mm-hmm. He's a power top. <laughs> Just a top. He's a top and a dom. He's a megatop. He's a megadom. <laughs> Megadom. Oh, that's so much better than my dumb fucking thing. (laughs) Oh, there's a moment where- this is just me, and it doesn't mean anything, but there's a moment where there's a house with two people- with three people on top, because they're worried that they're gonna- their house is gonna get flooded. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah! I was like, but the water hasn't even reached here yet. (laughs) How do you know that you need to be on the roof right now? (laughs) They were just up there. And then- Whoever, fuck, whichever Transformer it was, just, like, leaves them there, and they're all waving goodbye. Was it Optimus? No, it was uh, Ironhide and Bumblebee. Oh, right. When oh, Bumblebee right. jumps in the back of Ironhide. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, he does. The, uh, no, the people on the roof, I just wrote that it kind of looked like there were two male figures and one female figure, and... They look like kids, too. I, I just... I just wrote that it's two dads and their little girl. Oh, that's wholesome. Just a small, because we have very few of them in here. Uh, very small shockwave, uh, no, not shockwave, soundwave moment, which I just wrote when he sends uh, Rumble out, and I just wrote down, uh, Rumble, make daddy look good in front of Mr. Megatron. <laughs> <laughs> Soundwave and his boys are my favorites now. Soundwave for playing such a huge role in the first episode plays such a tiny role in this one. He just kind of is always behind Megatron. I thought that he was in it pretty frequently, though. Yeah, but he's like... Like, more than any of the other uh, Decepticons, probably, except maybe Starscream. Yeah, yeah, because he's like... And, like, when his boys take the spotlight... He's kind of sharing it with them, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's... He was the chief spy, and he gave him all of the research on where the energy sources were. I mean, it just continues with what we were talking about last time, where we just think, I mean, man's Soundwave is just dedicated to Megatron. Mm-hmm. Like, he wants to be Starscream. Right, without being Starscream. <laughs> without being Starscream. It's like, I can treat you better. You, you better can see that I'm the one who understands you. you've been here oh, wait, all along. I need to give my dog water. Hold on. <laughs> Was that a euphemism? No, I need to give my dog some water because she's out. Chaz! Yeah, that's... It was like I think we all agreed upon. It was 
kind of a weird episode to do because unlike the last episode where there were a lot of like smaller moments between a lot of people, there was like three big moments in this one, which is Spike, yeah. and, Spike and Hound, Megatron and Optimus, and then Megatron and uh, Starscream. Yeah, I think we can boil those down to the three big queer moments in this episode, and I could definitely see those playing a role in larger narrative arcs, Mm -hmm. at least beyond the external goal of this group has X, they should not have X, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Can we really quickly talk about the fact that um, uh, Optimus has a boy? He has a little boy. Oh, yes, he has a little car boy. Mm, roller? Roller. Mm, roller. Roller. <laughs> I like, Roller is my favorite thing. Roller almost seems like some kind of toddler transformer, because he doesn't seem like he can transform. Well, Gigi, you're a real sucker for these tiny boys. <laughs> you know me. <laughs> I just saw Roller in the episode, and I'm like, well, I know what Gigi's going to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> The I, tiny car that comes out of the big car. <laughs> I honestly can't say. I'm honestly am not entirely sure if Roller isn't my crush of the week. <laughs> I mean, you know, we'll get to that when it comes to it. But yeah. I mean, well, we've went through most of the relationships. Should we jump into our final All segment? Right, let's jump into our segments. Uh, should we start with Auto Crush? With our Auto Crush of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Let's go ahead and start with our auto crush. All right. Well, David, since you seem so gung ho about it, well, it's gotta be between uh roller, or I mean, I realize it's a large part of the episode, but I mean, Hound knows how to treat someone on a first date. <laughs> Takes him through the ri- through on a ride through a desert at sunset. Like God. I mean, he's a military vehicle, which isn't great, but I mean, God, he knows how to treat a man. Give you a back massage on a rock after you've just been drowning. (laughs) Oh my God. I think because Roller might be a child, I'm not entirely sure. (laughs) I'm going to have to go with Hound. Okay. How about it? How about uh, you, Jordan? Well, um, it's been kind of a blind spot all episode for y'all, but to me, there was no one who stuck out more than motherfucking Mirage. <laughs> oh yeah, motherfucking Mirage! I love Mirage. <laughs> um. Oh, oh, when he just disappears and he's Mirage like Mirage Dex two Decepticons. Flips under the rail, flips oh. back up, does a ballet pose, <laughs> and then restates his pacifism. Also, let's not forget that his name is Mirage. And his name is Mirage, my favorite character from The Incredibles. So. <laughs> also, he can turn invisible, which, why the fuck do you turn into a car? Spike says it, disappearing. That's the best disguise of all. And you know what? Fucking A. Mirage is my auto crush of the week. Fuck my a. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, yes, Mirage is very cool. Love Mirage. You know I love a big queen. 
I think they're pretty normal size, but anyways, moving on. He's a big boy. Did you see the cube that he emerges out of after he disappears? It's massive. Yeah, well, Spike is a normal-sized human being. Yeah, he's a boy, but, you know. They're all, like, ten foot tall. But he's very big. <laughs> what does Mirage even turn into? <laughs> I think Mirage turns into a, like, a... Like, what is it, a Formula One car? Doesn't even matter, he can disappear. <laughs> it doesn't even fuck... You know what? I actually haven't seen Mirage turn into a car, so I guess maybe he doesn't. <laughs> um, alright. He's above it all, and I love him. <laughs> uh, Genevieve, who is your auto-crush of the week? Okay, quick question. Yeah. Um, if I pick Ravage, is that bestiality? Well, in some continuities, Ravage can talk, and in some continuities, he can't. So, it's up to you. I pick Ravage, because I just really... (laughs) You know what? In both cases, I consider it no. I consider, if in the case that he can talk, he's he's just like a cool cat. And if he can't talk... He's like Garfield! He's just a cool cat. He loves lasagna. Yeah, like and I just want to protect both of them. Ravage is like Garfield is the hottest take I've experienced. <laughs> is Soundwave John? Yes. Yes. Please stop. Wait, wait. Oh my god. Rumble is Odie. Thanks. I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> I should have worn my Garfield shirt for this. Or not. That's another idea. <laughs> Soundwave um, is John. Soundwave is John. Fuck! What's happening? My mom's calling. I'll talk to you later. I love you. Bye. Are you jingling your keys? Alright, so I guess moving on? Or do I have No, to... I'm not done! <laughs> I did not finish talking about Ravage. Oh, okay. Finish about your cat, your Garfield boy. I just thought that Ravage was really cool and had a lot of sick moves. <laughs> he can, like, live. Like, it wasn't fair that he got caught and that his dad abandoned him. Oh, yeah, he did get. Mm. That John abandoned him. I know. And I just wanna, I just wanna save him. He was tired of Ravage <laughs> eating all his fucking lasagna. Which is really telling of my relationships. <laughs> I just wanna save. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So those are all our crushes of the week. Uh, who is our pairing of the week? Let's start with Let's start with you, Jordan. All right. Well, uh, it's gonna. It's kind of an unconventional one, seeing as how they don't spend a lot of time together. But I think Trailbreaker and Optimus are a really good pair for each other. They're both big. They both have a reassuring aura about them. And Mm. I think that they complement each other as far as they're like a healthy version of Megatron and Starscream. This isn't as much of a pairing of something that was really shown to us as much as something that you see could be. I mean, that is that is what an OTP, you know, generally consists of. It's not just, you know, something you see evidence of, but it's something that the show 
as a text which could support it. Okay, okay. Yeah, Trailbreaker is definitely, like, it's very reserved. No, but Trailbreaker was cracking jokes, like, mm. while, uh, Spark, while Sparkplug and Spike were uh, driving him. And, yeah, but um, he's no, like, Ironhide, where he's, like, gung-ho about everything. Right, but he's but I, that sort of dutiful nature is what I think Optimus feels like he can depend on Trailbreaker for, mm-hmm. and I would definitely like to see more of them, more of that really healthy interdependent relationship. Uh huh. So between the two big boys, it's Trailbreaker and Optimus for my OTP. Okay, okay, okay. I would agree with that. I think that um, there's a lot of potential there. Would you call that your pairing of the week? No. Um. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, my pairing of the week is Sunstreaker and Sideswipe. Uh, Gigi? Yes. They're brothers? <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> Can still be your pair of the week if you. So, Genevieve's gone bestiality. I'm an incestuous. Incestuous. Going full Game of Thrones over here. Um. um I just okay. Do you want it? Would you like to choose I'm again? I'm just trying to pick something that wasn't like bam uh, in your face. Spike and hound. But damn Spike and Hound, though. Yeah, but they were going to be my pick. That's a fair pick right there. Okay. My other pick is um Rumble and Me. <laughs> <laughs> I love how much you love L- Rumble. Rumble's so cool. Do you see those waves he made? <laughs> He's so small, yet so mighty. <laughs> I like how Rumble straight doesn't say a word to Spike, but pushes him on the fucking ground again. You just want Soundwave to be your father-in-law? Yes. Um, my pair of the week has gotta be Megatron and Soundwave. Um, because of, not because of, like, the stuff he does for Megatron, but in the mines... Soundwave's just waiting hand and foot on Megatron. He's just like there for him. He wants Honey, I'm to... still free. Take a chance on me. He wants him to know that he uh that he that he's always gonna be there for him. I'm sorry we didn't get any shockwave this episode, Jordan. It's it's fine, you know what? I've got I've got Mirage, who's another you know, a feet purple boy. So like <laughs> not even that. <laughs> You gotta type. <laughs> well, should we wrap it up? I guess that comes to our wheel jack off to that later. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, and we delineate the single sexiest moment in the Transformers episode of the week. Gigi, we'll start with you. The one that I think all of us remember the most is Spike and Hound again. I did take a screenshot of that. I mean, it, you, I mean, he's just boning him from behind. I mean, damn. So I caught him with his eyes closed and his mouth open. Mm-hmm. There's a moment <laughs> where his eyes are, like, straight rolling back and his mouth is open. I know this 
if we can't repeat the same thing again, this is a weird answer. You can, you can. We did last time. It was I think Cliff Jumper and Hound made it to two OTPs. Oh, okay, yeah. I do agree that that's got to be the sexiest moment of the week is uh, uh, Hound taking Spike from behind. But weird side pick to that is finding out that Megatron was designed to have seductive thighs. <laughs> oh. Um. Even though that's not a thing that happened within this episode. But, but I mean, they're there. That they are there. And they're alluring. They're alluring. They caught and you know that they crushed Optimus' head over those many years ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big ol' walnut. Big ol' walnut. Uh, how about you, Jordan? Well, this is unconventional, but um, the moment where Sunspeaker and Sideswipe break at the edge of the cliff and then turn around. Not because of their connection to each other, but because of their connection to me. Because <laughs> those two brothers in flamboyant that are flamboyant sports cars nearly escaping danger and then coming back with all of their might, I mean, my breath was taken. <laughs> you were just like <sighs> Yeah, would, it really was that. I would love either one of them. <laughs> Or both. Or both. Oh. So you, you guys were giving me shit earlier, but I know you get it. <laughs> <laughs> I know you get that in. All right, that'll do it for Robots <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at triple one. That's E L E F A N T E triple one. I don't post on there frequently, but I do post on there. Uh, you can find me on YouTube at David Thorpe. You can, uh, and that's that's about it. Man, I need to improve my media presence. How about you, Jen? You can find me on a variety of platforms at Giga Vines, like a grapevine. And, um, yeah, I post art online. It's good. Only the good. It's great. It's yeah. Oh, oh. This isn't about me. <laughs> Chad's trying to be all cute so that I'll pet her. So I guess that means that. All right, next week is the final installment of More Than Meets the Eye, the three-part intro episode. Mhm. Mm mm -hmm. So basically Oh wait, should we talk about the uh the literal cliffhanger? <laughs> oh yeah. Where yeah, Optimus it's is just rolling Optimus off. falling in slow motion. Just rolling a off a giant truck. I've never been more scared by a truck falling down a hill. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh. And what about Roller? And what about Roller? What's going to happen <laughs> to our sweet little boy? To our sweet little baby boy. Uh, all this and more next week on Robots Into Guys. Thank you for joining us. Transformers. Robots in Guys. <laughs>